God, you are so worthy. Thank you for this wonderful, wonderful spirit that we felt in this house tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, I want to be saved. I want to be saved. Trust it. Everyone under the sound of my voice feels like I feel. You know, the world isn't concerned if you're saved or not. For the most part, those whom you pass on the street they're not concerned if you're saved or not. In the words of the Apostle Peter, we, we so cling on his Acts message for salvation, and we should. But he said, not only just repent every one of you and be Baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he said, this promise is to you and to your children, to all that are far off as many as the Lord our God shall call. But he continued, the Bible said he testified, he exhorted with many, many other words. And he said, save yourselves from this untoward generation. And we preach so heavily, Acts 2.38, but the same preacher said, you have a responsibility. Every individual that obeys this Acts 2.38 message has a responsibility to save yourself from this untoward generation that we live in. And if you're not if you're not determined that you're going to be saved, who's going, who's going to be determined for you? God, I, I so appreciate the atmosphere that we felt in this house tonight, and the rejoicing. But I likewise understand that oftentimes it's so easy to get caught up into this emotion, and, and thank God for it. I, I believe it. I push it, I preach it, but it's so easy to get caught up and forget that we still must live according to the Word of the Lord. We still must maintain a relationship with our church, our pastor, and our God. And just a word of instruction to the church tonight, if I may, Brother Talley, when the Word of your pastor ceases to be the Word of God to you, you're in trouble. When the Word of your pastor ceases to be the important Word, ceases to be the Word of God spoken to you, you're in trouble. Oh, we sometimes we must stop and fortify our strongholds. 
We had a good time in this house last night, and Brother Conley, I so appreciate this congregation, this church, the love, the reception to God's Word. It means so much, and I appreciate your pastor and his family so, so very much. We love them. We esteem them as friends and honor him as a bearer of the sword of the Lord, and we appreciate him so much. Did not mean to leave anybody hanging last night. My grandson is home. He's in home isolation, but he is home, and, and he is, at this point in time, he's doing good. He's increasing in Sister Blankenship has some pictures tonight. I know I sound like one of them ridiculous grandfathers, but that's all right. I don't mind. And uh, I know I sound like folks that I used to laugh at, but that's all right. Uh, you see, it's more than just that. It's Brother, Brother Brad Lambert. Anybody recognize the name? Jennings, I'm sure. We were, Brother Townley, in our church, we were seemingly struggling with young married couples having children. And I prayed on it, and I sought God, and I felt there was a definite connection in natural birth and spiritual birth. And Brother Lambeth called me from Brazil he said, Brother Blankenship, I feel a burden for you and your church, and I feel that God wants me to come to Beckman. And I said, Elder, come. And he flew to, to the States, and he came to Beckley, and he obeyed the word of the Lord, and my, he, he, he just tremendous, tremendous man of God. But he prayed over our people and over our family. And now we've got little babies all through the congregation, and we've got people expecting. And we didn't have that before. And we now have that. And as soon as we get some of these, I'm, I'm looking to greater growth in the church and babes in the church. And it was it was more than just a, a man's desire. It was it was a warfare against the enemy that we were fighting. And this is victory. This is victory. Amen. I did not come to just almost have church. I come to have church. You know, we cannot afford to be. I realize you're standing, but I'll be standing much longer than you are. We cannot afford to be almost right can't afford to be almost right you know the difference between right and almost right is compared to the difference between lightning and a lightning bug we've got to be sure we've got to be certain we live in an hour in which the devil is unleashed and he is He's attacking ministry and churches, good churches, all over, all over America. And I see that there's affliction and oppression and pressure against good churches. 
This is a time for us to look at the foundation and be assured that we're solid, we're stable. Can't afford to be almost right. We've got to be, thank you, my brother, we've got to be right. Tonight, if you would turn with me, please, to the book of Revelation, chapter number 12. We'll begin reading with verse number 10. And again, thank you for your invitation, Brother Talley, and thank you, church, for your warm reception. You have some warm people. And it's when you shake hands with this congregation, when they speak, you sense it's not just lip service, but it's sincere, and you sense that there is that real connection and that I just like that good down-home feeling. And I appreciate that so, so very much. The book of Revelation, chapter number 12, verse number 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times, and half a time, from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth, and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Would you once again please lay down your Bibles, lift your hands, please lift your voices, and ask God to touch us once again tonight. Glory to God, glory to God. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. If there is one person under the sound of my voice whom the devil does not challenge, persecute, tempt, would you please come to me after service and give me the secret of your success? But I, I 
assume that we are 109% together in that we fight the enemy day in and day out. And he is, as it were, continuously laying a trap before us. And I come tonight to, if at all possible, make you aware of some of his techniques. For as our God has attributes that we so much appreciate and love, I'm glad that he's a God of mercy. That's, that's an attribute of God. I'm glad that he's a God of love. That's an attribute of God. He likewise is a God of judgment. And just as our God has attributes, there are attributes of the diabolical one, the enemy of our soul. And he will seek to deceive you. And he will seek to drag you into a lake of fire if you are not aware of his tactics. And I feel to be aware of the tactics of the enemy is, is to be prepared for the enemy. And if you have a people that's prepared for whatever comes their way, you're going to have a victorious church. Let me say at the onset tonight that I'm not at all, I'm not at all concerned that the church is going to go down. I, I have no reservations whatsoever about the outcome of the church. For I hear the words of our Lord saying upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So if you want to be safe, stay in the church. If you want to be secure, stay in the church. If you want to have victory in your soul, stay in the church. And I have, I have witnessed that the more involved you get with church and the more devoted you are to your church, then the, the easier the walk with God and the greater the victory in your soul. So it's important that we attach to the church. Right? Right? Oh, that, that's that voice. So I don't know who prayed for my voice last night, but do it again tonight. Do it. Your prayers were answered last night. Do it again tonight. I'm, I'm not at all concerned, for he said upon this rock, I will build my church, and build that church he did. And what a glorious church it is, and what a mighty church it is, and what a powerful church it is. That's why the enemy wants to tear down the church of the living God simply because he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Now, Jesus did not say that the enemy would not war against the church. He did not say that the enemy would not oppress the church. He did not say that the church would not have battles, but he did say, we're the winners. But we are winners. Anybody believe me tonight? You know, to borrow some words from one of our late presidents, when asked concerning his strategy about the Cold War, uh, the Cold War with Russia, you know, I remember, some of you may not remember, but I remember the time when the, the silo and the nuclear missiles was all ready to go, and, and man, the, the subs was carrying it in the ships, and, and we had continual uh, observations simply because of Cold War. And somebody said, Mr. Reagan, 
what is your strategy concerning the Cold War? And he said, well, it's quite simple. We win, they lose. And you know that's the way I feel tonight when somebody said, Brother Blankenship, what about the church? Well, it's quite simple. We win and the world loses. It's really quite simple. We win and they lose. Because Jesus said upon this rock, I will build my church. Amen. Now, so, I want us to act like winners. You know, folks that, folks that are marching in the winning lane, they're not dragging their lip. People that's in the winner's lane or the winner's circle or whatever winners get in, you know, they're, they're holding hands and trophies high. They're smiling. They're posing for pictures. They're, they're just joyful, and they're so glad. How about it, church? How about it, church? How about church of the living God? We win and they lose. You know, in the passage that we read tonight, and I may have to just be a little slower, and it may, may be all right that way. You know, we, we read and we saw that there was something that was going on in heaven. And, you know, God got fed up with the devil. And he kicked him out. I, I, think, I think it's time that the church has the same attitude towards the enemy that God has. I just think that it's time that the body of Christ has the same attitude that God has. What God would not allow in heaven, let us make up our mind, we're not going to allow it in the church of the living God. What God would not endure in heaven, let's make up our mind, we'll not endure it in the church either. We have the attributes of God, right? We have the Spirit of God, right? We've got the mind of Christ, right? So, uh, my God, I feel good in this house. So, all of the attempts and all the accusations of that diabolical devil, devil, devil. You know, he ain't good looking. He's a devil. He ain't a knight in shining army. He's a armor. He's a devil. He's a devil. He don't have anything that's desirable. He's a devil. He doesn't have anything that would bring pleasure to a child of God. He's a devil. And the sooner that we realize he is a devil and we understand that all of his devices are just an attribute of him, the sooner we'll be willing to kick that thing out of our life. Oh, you know, thank God for the blood. We, we see that... We see that folks overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Now, 
this word testimony is not referring to, I thank the Lord that I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Pray for me. That word testimony is not, you know, I, I prayed and prayed for the Lord to, to make a way and to give me a $5 an hour raise on the job. And that's, that, that is good to witness what God has done. But that's not what the Scripture is making reference to. The testimony rather is their lifestyle, their walk with God. They overcome him by their walk of righteousness. It's in Now, this is not a testimony that the saints of God stood up and give about God, but the word of their testimony was a testimony that Almighty God gave the devil on behalf of the saints. You know, kind of like the elder read last night in Job 1 and 8, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in all of the earth. I want you to know when God starts testifying of the works of a church, when God starts testifying of the lifestyle of a saint of God, when God starts testifying about your faith in him, oh God, the devil's going to take notice. Hallelujah. I know we testify of how much he loves us, but I would like to have an ear in heaven and hear Almighty God testifying of how much the church in Jennings loves him. I know that we testify about what all that God does for us, but I like to hear a testimony from the mouth of God describing all that we do for him. So, testimony matters. Testimony matters. We serve a God that will turn hopelessness into miraculous. Uh, my God, my God, my God. I know some of you, I know some of you tonight, you come in here carrying a burden. Some of you are carrying the load. I just I just want you to know the God that we serve, He can turn that which looks hopeless into that which is miraculous. And when, when man says it's impossible, God said, well, since you feel that way, I can step on the scene and I can do something about it. Oh, I'm looking to see God do some great things in this congregation. I'm looking to see God do something great with His people as long as we keep this worship, as long as we keep this attitude, there's a God in heaven that will move for you. Testimony. Testimony. It matters. It matters. I want you to read, Elder, if you will, Hebrews 12, I mean 11 and 1. Twelve and one's a good one too, but we won't go there yet. <laughs> now, Eleven one. Now, now faith. Now faith is the substance. The substance of, of things, things hoped hope for, for. The evidence, evidence of things not seen. Not seen. For by it. Now, it's important to have faith. It's important building up yourselves upon your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord. It's good to love God's word. We need to hear preaching. We need to hear preaching. We need to hear teaching. So, so please read on. Please read on. For by it the elders obtained a good report. By, 
by it the elders obtained a good report or oh, oh, or they got a testimony, they got a testimony. by yes. their faith in God their faith in God caused them to react in a manner in which God was pleased My Lord. and God said hey I'm going to testify for generations about what happened here. And you know, I'm going to talk to the church about these folks. And I'm going to talk throughout the ages. And I believe I just pen it in my book and tell everybody about the testimony. Read on, read on, read on, please. Through faith we understand. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed. That the worlds were framed by the, by word, the of word of God. So that things, so that things which, which are, are seen, seen were not were, made of things which do appear. Oh, I love to stay there, but I'll save it for another day. Please go on. By faith, Abel. By faith, Abel offered unto God. Offered unto God a more excellent a sacrifice. A more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Than Cain. Now. I just, I just, let me talk a minute about Abel. You know, Cain and Abel, little boys, and they grew up together, and, and they played together, and they was brothers, and no doubt they were close throughout their life, but, but as time began to go on, there's something begin to separate these. And, and you know, we often, we often look at it as Abel just going on, and, and he offering the sacrifice, but somehow, in my mind's eye, I can see that Cain was ridiculing Abel, and I can see that Cain said, Abel, what you dragging that old stinking lamb up here again for? Oh, don't you know God likes vegetables like I've got? And I can see as he mocked and ridiculed and said, oh, look at that bloody mess that you created. And, and he mocked and he made fun. I just want to tell somebody, everybody's not going to appreciate your worship. Everybody's not going to appreciate what you do for God. But no matter if they do mock worship anyhow, no matter if they ridicule worship anyhow, how, no matter if they run you down, worship anyhow. I want you to know this is right. This is right. And stay in this. There is no other. So, in order to get a testimony, you have to come to church when folks said you shouldn't go. In order to obtain a testimony, you come on and you're baptized in Jesus' name like the Bible said, although somebody else said it's not necessary. And to obtain a testimony from God, you go ahead and live righteously and pure and holy before God, regardless of what other folks say. Somebody may say it ain't necessary, but you look them in the eye and say, God likes it, and I'd rather have God testifying for me than to have you ridiculing me. Go on, go on, go on, go on anyhow, go on anyhow. It doesn't matter. You know you're going to face opposition. You're going to be mocked. You're going to be persecuted. But just keep on worshiping anyhow. Please go ahead. By which he obtained, By which he obtained witness uh -huh. that he was righteous. All right. God testifying. God, God what? Testifying. God testifying. God testifying. God testifying. Of his gifts. Of his gifts. Go ahead. And by it, uh -huh, by he being it. dead, uh -huh. yet speaketh. Yes, sir. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Enoch. Was translated. He was translated. That he should not see death. That he death, should not see death. And was not found. And was not found. Because we'll skip him and come back. Please go on. But without faith. But without faith. It is impossible. It's impossible. To please to God. To please God. For they. For he that cometh to God. They come unto God. Must, must believe that, that he, he is. is. And he is. 
he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, oh, by Noah. Faith, Noah. By faith, Noah. Being warned Noah of God. warned of God. Of things oh, not seen. Noah went ahead. He went ahead. Moved now. with fear. Moved with fear. Prepared an ark. Oh, God. To the when saving people of his house. run him down and people said, your words, they don't carry any weight. And nobody has seen it rain before. And nobody's ever experienced a storm before. Oh, Noah, you're just a goofy old man. But he was a preacher of righteousness. And although they didn't receive his word, he preached on. We understand that Abel had a worshiping faith. We understand that Enoch had a walking faith. And we understand that Noah had a working faith. And they all got testimony from God. Oh, we do understand that Abraham, he was testified because he believed in God. We understand that Moses received the testimony from God. And he made up his mind that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. We understand that Sarah, she got a testimony. We understand that David, he got a testimony. We understand oh, that one by one and one by one they received testimonies. There was Rahab the harlot, but she got a testimony because she believed the word of God. I'm here to say tonight testimonies are important. You may not be able to go on and worship like Abel. You may not be able to work like Noah. You may not be able to step up like Abraham. You may not be able to do what Moses done. You may not be able to do what David done. You may not carry the capabilities of Samson. You may not be like Rahab the harlot, but there's one thing everybody in here can be, and that's like Enoch. Enoch had a testimony that it pleased God. You may not be able to sing, but you can please God. You may not be able to play music, but you can please God. You may not be able to preach the Word of God, but you can please God. There's one thing that we can all do to obtain a testimony, and that is please God. When we the testimonies we hear about Enoch the songs we hear about Enoch oh he he walked with God and he was not one footstep on earth the other in heaven we hear the songs God said oh Enoch we're closer to my home than yours so we might as well go to my house and we rejoice and we all say we want to be like Enoch and we want to be translated not to taste death but do you know the only great thing that the Bible records that Enoch done? And that was that Enoch, Enoch, he pleased God. If you would just lend yourself and get a pen and paper and do some Bible study, you'll find out that Adam was still living when Enoch was a little boy. And you'll discover that Adam was still alive when Enoch was just a little boy. And somehow I can envision that one day Adam pulled he knocked upon his knee and began to talk about how it was walking with God and began to
to relate to Enoch. Oh, how precious, how precious it was in the garden. Somehow he instilled by his testimony something in the heart of Enoch and said, you know, when I grow up, I ain't worried about being a basketball player. I want to please God. When I grow up, I'm not worried about being a football all-star. I want to please God. When I grow up, you know, I don't care if I never drive one of them NASCARs. I want to please God. And, and somehow, oh, help us tonight, Holy Ghost. Somehow, the elders in this church, listen to me, please. You may feel like sometimes that you don't have anything important, but, but I tell you what you do. You get a hold of one of these young men, and you pull them aside and say, hey, let me tell you about the experience I had with God and create in their heart a love and a desire. Some of you all, precious sisters, pull some of these young ladies aside and say, hey, young lady, let me tell you something. When everybody else was trying to get the eye of the boy, I was trying to get the eye of God. And let me tell you what the Lord done for me and create something in their heart that they'll want to please God. We can all have that testimony that we please God. Somebody say, praise the Lord. If you want to please him, praise him. Now, I want us to look into the Scripture. I want us to see what's going on. The book of Revelation, we read our passage that the devil's kicked out of heaven. And I'm glad when I get to heaven, there ain't going to be no devils there. I'm glad when I get to heaven, there ain't going to be no false doctrine there. Come on, apostolics. Come on, apostolics. Um, uh, you know, I'm trying to trying to teach our folks at home that, you know, there's some things that I expect you to just sit and listen. But there's some things I expect you to know. And when I say there's one God, I don't expect you to just sit and listen. You just automatically know that. You respond to that. We're apostolic. When, when I talk about the doctrine, you don't have to say, now what is he going to say? You know the doctrine's right. And, is that all right? See, I, I know it was. I know, I know it was. I know, so I know it was. So I, I'm glad that when I get to heaven, there's not going to be any sin there. I, I'm glad for that. I'm glad for that. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, there's some folks that want that want, you know, anything and everything to go to heaven. But I'm glad when we go to heaven, there's not going to be a different church on every corner. I'm glad there's not going to be any compromisers in heaven. I'm glad there's not going to be any charismatics in heaven. Well, God, help me hold. I, 
Uh, you know, if all that was there, I might as well stay here. I've got all that here. I'm glad there's not going to be any misery in heaven. I'm glad there's not going to be any tears in heaven. I'm glad there's not going to be any burdens in heaven. If everything that's on earth is going to be in heaven, we might as well live forever in this earth. But I'm glad that when I get there, there's only going to be one God, and Jesus is his name. And I'm glad that everybody there is going to be baptized in his name. And I'm glad that everybody there is going to be filled with this Holy Ghost. And I'm glad everybody is going to be pure and righteous. Amen. That's heaven. That's heaven. That's heaven. But we see that we... We're experiencing tribulation and persecution. We're facing things. And God cleaned heaven, kicked him out. Cleaned him, cleaned him out of heaven. Then he said, woe unto the inhabitants. Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth. And there's a reason because that devil is coming down. Now... The enemy of our soul is described in these passages I read. Three different manners, but he's the same devil. He's described as the devil. He is described as a dragon. And he's described as a serpent. And there's a reason. And, and I, you know, you, you, this may be primitive to you. This may be ABCs and basic. But if it is, you ought to really rejoice with me when we talk about it. And, and the Scripture first describes woe unto the inhabitants. There's a reason the accuser of the brethren is come down. That is a spirit of the devil that will try to slip in and plant that oh, accusing attitude and spirit amongst God's people. The accuser of the brethren. Now, the word devil is accuser. That's quite simply it. Accuser. And God said, Devil, I ain't putting up with you up here accusing my saints. And quite honestly, if somebody knocks on your front door and starts accusing the saints, you listen, wait a minute, I, you know, I don't allow that stuff in here. You just. Well, now we said, we said what God got rid of in heaven, we don't want it either. That's what we said initially. I remember, I remember you was on your feet saying, that's right, amen, yeah, preacher. But now we're going to define it. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and ride this mare all the way. God said, devil, I'm not going to put up with you up here running brother Townley down. Get out of here. God said, devil, I ain't going to put up with you up here running down the brothers and the sisters. I don't allow that in heaven. Get out of here. And then he said, walk to the inhabitants. Walk to the inhabitants. That same spirit has come down to the earth. 
I've never seen such a time when one accusing the other and this and accusing that one. Let's not allow that spirit to get in our heart. Let's not allow that spirit to get in our mouth. That's a spirit that the devil wants to plant. No wonder the Apostle Paul said, Receive not an accusation against an elder, except it be before two or three witnesses. They ain't willing to stand face to face with you. Then nobody else ought to receive that accusation. God wouldn't allow it, and we shouldn't allow it. Accusing the church and not loving us. Oh, we, we're going to break loose in revival around here. We, we're going to break loose in revival. Accusing the church and not showing me love. That's nothing but an attitude that the devil's trying to plant. Let's not fall for it. What do you mean the church don't love you? The doors are open daily for prayer, I assume, and it's open every church night. We're here to pray with you. We're here to preach to you. We're here to fast with you. What do you mean we don't love you? That's nothing but a spirit of the enemy trying to get planted in a church. It's amazing. It's amazing how immature, mature people can act. Quite, quite simply amazing. And if God ain't going to allow it, you don't allow it. Number one, he's a liar and he's the father of it. Do we believe that? We believe that. You know, oh, I'm going to meddle some. I'm going to meddle a little bit. I, I feel the pastoring spirit coming on me. You know, I have people knock on my door and say, Pastor, I need to talk to you about it. I said, well, brother, come on in and sit down. Let's talk. And I said, what's the problem? Oh, the devil's been lying to me. And the devil's telling me this. And I said, well, what's the problem? You know, before you even told me what's going on, you said it was a lie. I know nobody in Louisiana act like that. Oh, y'all hear me now. Hey, y'all hear me now. And, and we come up and we say, oh, oh pastor, the devil's lying to me. He, he's telling me that you don't really want me here. And the pastor said, oh, yeah, we love you. Yeah, but the devil's lying and said you don't. Well, what's the problem? What's the problem? You know it's a lie. You know it's a lie. You know it's a lie. You know what? You know what? Next time that, it, well, probably won't happen there. Next time it happens to me, I'll say, come here, brother. Let's shout. You come and told me the devil's a liar. You know he's a liar, so you know anything he said's wrong. Let's go ahead and rejoice and praise God. Ain't no need wasting my time. But the accuser, that old accusing spirit, that old accusing spirit is trying to make inroads into the churches of the living God, and I want to shed the light on it. Well, you know, same spirit, different words. Church don't love me. Pastor don't love me. The devil's telling me the Lord don't love me. 
church don't love you, and the pastor don't love you, and the Lord don't love you, you must be so bad that the devil himself couldn't love you. We understand that old accusing spirit. And God would not allow the devil to accuse the saints. We should not allow, we should not allow the devil to cause us to accuse God. My God, we need to be cautious by a spirit that wants us to blame God for every bad thing. That's an accusing spirit. It's from the pits of hell. Hear me? It's from the pits of hell. It's designed to destroy you and your family and your church and take you to a lake of fire. That is what it's designed for. But we're not ignorant concerning the enemy's devices. We know he's an accuser. We understand that he's an accuser. Let's get rid of that accusation spirit. So, so we... We're not cautious. We'll blame God because Johnny fell in love with Susie and not me. And we'll carry that attitude for 10, 15 years, still clapping our hands. And, and that was just a very simple illustration. But we blame God for everything that goes wrong in our life if we're not cautious. Hear me. And we'll take attitudes when bad things happen. Take attitudes against God. That's nothing more than a spirit of the enemy. Nothing more than that, oh, accusing spirit that God cast out of heaven. And he loved you so much that he wouldn't allow that devil up there talking about you. Why don't we love God enough that we're not going to allow that devil down here to talk about our God? He's the one that loved me when I was unlovable. He's the one that saved me when I was unsavable. He's the one that reached down and picked me up when I was unreachable. You hear me tonight? He's the one that shed his blood on Golgotha's hill. He's the one that resurrected from the dead. He's the one that came back and gave me the Holy Ghost and he's the one that's going to return for his church we understand now that wanting to accuse is the enemy wanting to plant division and to seed doubt between us and the church and us and our brother and our sister and us and our God we understand that right well, if you don't understand, I'll go back and we'll break it down again. But if you do understand, okay, okay, okay. Now, the next reference made to the enemy of our soul was a dragon. Anybody ever see a dragon? I didn't think so. We've never seen a dragon. A dragon is a mysterious, mystical beast. And according to drawings, he would appear to have big eyes and a long snout and a long tail. And some of them have a fork on their tail and wings and scales on his body and big legs with claws and he spits fire out of his mouth. 
And in many Eastern religions, the dragon is a symbol of the religion and they worship the dragon. And the dragon is a creature, a creature that depicts fear, terror. And likewise, he is proclaimed to have mystical powers and abilities. But in all of that, there is one thing that the dragon is a symbol of. And the dragon is a symbol of apostasy. Church, we should never grow weary of the foundational teaching and preaching. For without, without reference and reiterating and strengthening and reminding our foundation and what we're built upon, the apostles and the prophets and Jesus Christ himself, the chief cornerstone. Without that, a spirit of apostasy. And anybody, anybody that carries a spirit of apostasy, they will be loaded with pride. Anybody that carries a spirit of apostasy, We'll have some mysterious and mystical revelation that nobody is able to decipher but them. And you better be careful. That's why God gave us a church, and that's why He gave us a pastor to protect us from the spirit of apostasy. That spirit is rampant in the land today. That spirit is rampant in the land today. Some innocent people have heard some of the apostasy teaching and they cannot even relate to what it would apply but I want you to know you better be careful there's one voice you need to hear and that's the voice of your pastor that's the voice of your pastor God gave you a trumpet in this city God gave you a man in this city and when he preaches about the foundational things do like you're doing now get on your feet and say that's right pastor keep it coming straight that's right pastor keep it coming gun barrel straight that spirit of apostasy is in the land woe to the inhabitants woe to the inhabitants there's a spirit of apostasy there is a spirit of apostasy that tries to roam. Apostasy. I'm, I'm going to have you, 1 John 2 and 18 and 19. Apostasy comes from, from the, the original word of apostasy. It, it will reach back to where God turned to Adam and Eve and he said, you're going to work and toil the land and earn your bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the earth from whence you came. And apostasy means that you revert, backslab, and go back to what you was originally and before and deny where you were. It's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing. I was invited one time, and, and I, 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 won't, I won't call 
names and places, but I was invited one time. A, a man said, if you ever hear of this man preaching, I, I tell you, you need to come and hear him. He's just so great, such a preacher. And, and you know, I didn't take all the saints, Sister Blankenship and I went, and, and I, I was there, and, and that man got up, and that man said, you know, I used to be Pentecostal, and, and I used to jump and run the pews, and as I run the pews, you know, the only thing I ever got was tired. And, and he, he said, let me update the scriptures, and I said, come on, Sister Blankenship, let's get out of here. That's a spirit of apostasy that's at work in this place. I don't want to hear what the man's got to say. I don't want to feel anything he's got to say. I don't want to even consider what he's got to say. That's a spirit of apostasy. We better shut our ears to that false doctrine. We better shut our ears to that false teaching. My God, that doctrine of two gods is running throughout the land. That doctrine of two gods is prevailing throughout the land. It's not just the doctrine of the Trinity, but it's the doctrine of two gods. That doctrine of preterism, talking about heaven set up in you and that there's not going to be a return of Jesus Christ I'm still looking for the rapture I'm still looking for that same Jesus I'm still looking for that same Jesus. I'm still looking for a bodily return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Now, and I just stand in the right place. Woe to the inhabitants. Little children. You know. Doctrine that you don't have to dress righteous is apostasy. That's right. That doctrine that you don't need a preacher is apostate teaching. That doctrine that you don't have to have a church you can serve God in your house, that's apostasy. Well, I, I'm I'm right on. I know I'm right on. I know I'm right on. I know I'm right on. He didn't want a church. Why did he say upon this rock I'll build my church? And why why did the Holy Ghost choose Paul and Barnabas to go out and establish churches? And why did the Apostle Paul make reference to the churches in Galatia, the churches in Asia? Because God wants his people congregated together to unitedly worship him and lift him up in praise, right? Right, right. Thank God for the local assembly. Thank God for the local assembly. Thank God for the local assembly. Teaching that says you don't need a pastor and you don't need a church is apostate teaching. You better stay away from it. Please read on. Little children, now, it let, is the... Let me, just in case somebody misunderstood, just in case, apostasy is when you go back to your original state and deny what you had. Okay? Now, and deny. I understand that sometimes there's people that stumble. There's people that fall. And sometimes, sometimes things happen. I understand that. And I'm not saying they can't make it back to God. I'm saying when they go back and deny 
and they go back and deny when they walk away from the apostolic doctrine and they embrace the doctrines of the world and say the apostolic doctrine is no longer right. That is apostasy. Okay, am I clear now? Maybe, I'm, maybe I was misunderstood. Maybe I was very clear, very, very clear, very clear, very clear, very clear. I, I've got a sister. I've got a sister that was in oneness. She divorced her husband and married a, a Church of God preacher. And, man, she looks just like what they never did look like. My dad was a Church of God preacher, all right? My own father was a Church of God preacher, so I, I know where I'm coming from. And, and she, she turned, and she looks like what they would never look like. She dresses like they would never dress. She acts like they would never act. But yet she'll stand and say, I've got it all. i got as much as I ever had. I'm telling you, that's what I'm talking about. It's dangerous to lend your ear to charismatic teaching and charismatic doctrine that will pull you and draw you and drag you away from the solid Word of God. It's dangerous. You will one day, if you're not careful, find yourself in a place denying what you ever have and that it was ever right. And if you do, if you do, that's apostasy. Now, apostasy, apostasy will still oftentimes proclaim in profession words deny. Please read on. Please read on. Little I'm, children, God. it is the last time. It is the last time. As ye have heard. As you have heard. That Antichrist shall uh -huh. come. That he shall come. Even now uh -huh. are there many Antichrists. Yes, sir. Whereby we know that this or it is the last time. We know that it's the last time. They went out from they us. They went out from us. But they were not of they us. They were not of us. For if they had been, of, been us, of us, no doubt. they would no doubt have That's continued right. with us. But, but they went out why? that they might, might be, be made, made manifest that, that they were not, not all of us. Spirit of accusing and the spirit of apostasy. There's one more if you will allow me just a few moments. One more. I got some people thinking in here. I can sense that already. That's real good. That's real good. I hope we think enough to say, Lord, I never want to consider anything other than Acts 238 doctrine. I, I hope we get to the point that we understand that it's just this way or no way. I, That if you can't go to heaven from this church, you can't go to heaven from nowhere. Y'all should feel like that. Man, everything you need to go to heaven's right here. We got man, we had good spirit here tonight. We had good prayer. We had good worship. We we felt the spirit of God, didn't we? Man, I almost got happy just watching you. And we felt the Spirit of God all over this place tonight. And I know your pastor preaches good word. Man, he's preached for our congregation and blessed us. And I know he preaches truth. And I know he preaches the doctrine. So what else do we need? You can go to heaven from right here. There's one, there's one more. One more reference to the devil. And that reference is the serpent. Time probably won't permit, or I would like to lay some groundwork for the.
this sermon. But just believe me. If you don't believe me, come to me and I'll show you at the church. He lays in a path. We know what a path is. It is a frequently walked partial ground. And you drive down the highway, especially in West Virginia, and you look at the hillside, and you'll see an indent in the side of the hill. That's because the cows have walked that same direction day in and day out. They have created a path. A path is your habit of travel. And the serpent has a particular method of operation. He will lay near the path that the animal travels. And something else a serpent does is a serpent determines his environment by his own tongue. Can we get that? Because I say it, that's the way it is. <laughs> I said we didn't have good church last night. I'm sorry. Uh, excuse me. You don't determine your tongue. That's what a serpent does. And some people think just because they say it, that's how it is. What? It's because I said my tongue determined it. Well, we just let that lay there. We, we, I think we caught that. So, the serpent, he lays near the path of travel. And he is very patient in capturing and he allows that prey to pass untouched time and time again. And then one day, he grabs and he wraps around. It's not death yet. It's not death yet. But he has entrapped. He would never grab an entrap if he had not created a familiar path. Sometimes we walk too close to the devil too long. We walk too close to the world too long. We walk too close to fleshly desire too long. And that serpent... It's sad to see somebody slowly die. Slowly. One time, he was very active. He can holler, but that's all. One time, he had movement. Very active, but because he continued in that same path near 
through the line. He grabbed him. Slowly, he loses his life. He realizes that if I don't breathe, I die. If I do breathe, I die. And he inhales, but he can't inhale as much as he did the day before. Something has him bound. And as he exhales, that serpent just slowly tightens its grip so that the next breath is lesser than the former breath. And I feel the Holy Ghost in here. And slowly and slowly, his life is squeezed out of him. Oh, God, if I only hadn't walked this way, if I only, if I only would have obeyed the word of my pastor, if I'd only stayed away from that fleshly desire and that temptation and that entrapment of the enemy, if I would have only stayed away, but my familiar path near his territory got me caught. And it continues until his last breath is taken. And the serpent just has tightened, and he can't breathe, and then he's gone. Then that devil begins to open that mouth and excrete slime, saliva, and acid. He begins to crawl and totally engulf. Brother Tally. One of the first things you told me was when you was a small boy, something you looked outside and saw. And this was what it was. It was a snake, a serpent that had a frog in his mouth. You remember? Oh, God, that's the tactics of the devil. To subtly watch your every path, your every walk, your every movement. And if he catches you close to his territory... He'll let you walk that way a few times and never, never startle you. He'll let you walk that way a few times until you feel comfortable, until you begin to feel as if, thank you, there's no fear, there's no problem. Then he will grab you. The other method is to attack you with his fangs. And after he attacks you, he just lays there and waits. Hemotoxin, neurotoxin, attack the blood, attack the nerves. Oh, God, there's a long way we could go with this. And as the nerves are attacked, the victim slowly begins to tremble and die. And the serpent just waits. And then he just follows the trail. God, you know, the Lord told us this for a reason. Let's stand. And that's so that we would be aware, very much aware, of the tactics of the enemy. God, I, I know 
I know we win and they lose. But we need to be forewarned of the tactics of our enemy. We need to understand how he will try to slip in and destroy each and every one of us. I will assure you one thing. I'll assure you one thing. The next time somebody or the devil starts accusing, you're going to remember this. I'll guarantee you one thing. The next time somebody walks by on the job or on the street and tries to plant false doctrine in your heart, you'll remember this. I just trust that you remember the next time you walk near the territory of the serpent, you remember this. God, I've got to be saved. Woe to the inhabitants. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. He's come down. God would not allow it in heaven. I want us to make up our mind tonight. We're not to allow it on earth. We're not going to allow it in our homes. We're not going to allow it in our churches. We're not going to allow it. Save yourselves from this untoward generation. You know, we always we always ask about response to the word of the Lord. Maybe tonight you're here, sister. Maybe tonight you're here. And the devil has been accusing you. I may have named. I may not have named. But you know if he's charging and accusing. Maybe you're here tonight and he has accused you. Words like the church don't care. Brother Townley doesn't it doesn't matter so and so doesn't treat me right and God should have intervened and stopped what happened in my life cure my soul to my signs you're here tonight and the accuser has been whispering such in your ear I'm just here to make you aware to tell you what you really already know in your heart and your spirit that it's just a lie of the devil to try to tear you down and pull you out. But you can't just keep on listening. You've got to do something about it. Tonight's a good night to start. Tonight's a good night to start. If he's been accusing you and challenging you, and oh, maybe, maybe we haven't voiced exactly what the enemy's accusing you with, I think that think that appears a good place to say, Devil, I ain't listening to it anymore. I'm not listening to it anymore. And I trust that nobody has been rehearsing in anybody's ear any false doctrine and false teaching and trying to entice you to walk out and go somewhere where this isn't taught, where the teachings of this church aren't enforced. I trust that nobody has tried to pull you into apostasy. But if they have, it may be somebody on the job. It may be a family member. It may be an old friend. 
It may just be somebody that started knocking on your door. But if that spirit is trying to pull you away from the doctrine and the truth that's preached in this pulpit, I hope I've made you aware tonight. And if you have been tempted to walk near the territory of the devil, close to his desires, his pleasures, his enticements, I'm going to ask you to take a step closer to God that's up here at this altar. Let's give ourselves for a space of time. I just want us to give ourselves a space of time and talk to God. And if he's been accusing you, there's nothing wrong with walking up and saying, the devil's accused me, but I, I know now. I know now, and that's it. No more, no more. I've made up my mind. And you'll know if he's been after you and utilized any three of these methods, you know. And if the devil's been after you, I'm going to ask you to come on up here tonight. If he's been charging you, challenging you, I'm going to ask you to come up here. The pastor will pray for you. He'll pray with you. We'll pray with you. I don't want to see anybody lost. I don't want to see anybody poured out of the church. I don't want to see anybody destroyed. God, I don't want to see anybody. But it's your responsibility. The preservation of your soul is your responsibility. When you make up your mind, that's what you're going to do. I just want you to make up your mind. I'm going to get closer to God. I'm going to walk closer to God. I'm going to reassure my relationship and my devotion to my church and my pastor. Give you a space of time tonight if somebody would like to come and talk to the Lord. Somebody wants to pray. Let's do that right now. Right now, as Sister Townley sings, let's do that. Let's do that. Oh, God. Oh, God. You know the devil's accusing some folks right now. If you come up there and pray, they're going to think. I don't care what the devil thinks. I care what God thinks. I want to be saved. 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 Let's talk to him tonight. Oh, let's talk to him. Oh, God. Oh, God. 